0: Moses to another episode of We On The Table. I am Tanya Burke, your host, your hostess with the mostest. And today we have another, when I say another, another fabulous sister friend of We On The Table, of the show, and um, this this woman here, uh, Dr. Enette Morton, and I said it, Dr. I mean, let me let me let me lean in a little bit more because they all talk about lean in. Let me lean in, Doctor <laughs> Edna Morton. When I say this woman has done so many great things, like I have personally seen with my own eyes. You know how people come on the show, and you just get this little speaker reel, or you get the the bio, and you just have to go with what you see and, and what you hope. Uh, That's not the case here. I have seen her work with my own eyes. And when I tell you this is a show that you all want to make sure that you stay around and stick to to the very end, because I know know Dr. Morton is just going to be dropping nuggets, and I'm not talking about catfish. I'm not (laughs) talking about chicken. So put your tartar sauce in, your hot sauce, and your barbecue sauce away, unless that's what you happen to be snacking on. But she's going to be dropping some wonderful nuggets. And I just want to start off by, you know, t- saying a little bit about her. And she's one of those people where, you know, she's done so much stuff that you have her bio and all that. Like, you actually have to pick it up and read it from the piece of paper. You know, you actually have to read it from the piece of paper because she's done so so many great things. And she is one of the, I want to say, the most efficient effective and compassionate leaders that I have met. I mean, she's one of the, and, and, and when I say the compassion, the compassion in everything that she does, it, it shows. So Dr. Morton, she is a higher education leader and that's why she's here today. She's going to be talking about the trends in higher education. She's a commissioner, she, uh, she is the past sitting president of the... Long Beach Democratic Club and when I say this woman is doing fantastic things not only in education okay not only in higher education but also in politics she even helped start a pact to make sure that there are more women sitting at the table cuz we own the table ladies but she created a pack with uh, a number of other women and she's leading that effort and so i could go on and on and on and on she is also like myself a graduate of pepperdine university okay <laughs> she got her she got her master her master's and her doctorate from uh from pepperdine and she received her, her bachelor's degree from cal poly pomona so so uh, Dr. Ennet, okay, Dr. Ennet. I can, like I said, I can keep going on. I can keep going on. She's, you know, she, uh, she's, a uh, an alum of Emerge, California. What i say, and and it, it, it she's like the recruiter for, for, um, was to close the gap. So she's out there looking for women to run for office. So I I, I can't tell y'all how excited I am to have Dr. Enid Morton here with us today. And like I said, she's gonna be dropping those nuggets for us. So welcome, 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 Dr. Morton. Welcome,
1: thank you. (laughs) Thank you for that warm, warm welcome. I am so excited to be here. This is such a great platform, so thank you for creating this space so that we women can talk about our accomplishments and, you know, like you said, we own the table. Don't just bring the chair, bring our own table. So thank you for this space.
0: Oh, you're very welcome. And like I said, it's a pleasure to have you here because, like I said, you're very resourceful um, and you always come with, the, with, with, with information uh, to better other people and especially uh, better other women and especially black women. And so that's why I'm so happy to have you here today because it's it, education is important and higher education is important. And I think it's so very important for us to have these conversations, especially now that we all have approached, uh, we're in this pandemic and education is, is is literally changing like day by day, especially higher education is just changing day by day as each day goes by during this pandemic, and a lot of uh, institutions having to, you know, shift and change and mold how they do things in order to uh, address you know, providing education during the pandemic. But before we get on that matter, you know, I, I, I got to go, you know, I got to throw in a little, little something something. I got I gotta do a little
1: something.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about this fool that wrote this opinion piece. And just because you have an opinion don't mean you need to put it out there, people. But let's talk about this fool that put out this piece about Doctor Doctor Joe Biden. And the reason why I want to bring this up, because as you being a woman, you having your doctorate, and, and let me say this, this it's hard work, okay? It's hard work when women go out there, especially women, I'm speaking specifically women, especially women of color and especially black women, to go out there and do all the things that they need to do to earn these doctorate degrees. They, they don't hand them out like bubble gum, or at least most of the institutions I know don't and to be disrespected but what you know this article kind of shook the nation but this isn't anything new um and women and especially black women you know oftentimes when it comes to education they're, they're questioned and, and and it's downplayed and so i just wanted to Get your opinion about this whole, you know, the disrespect and talking about she shouldn't be called Doctor, Doctor Jill Biden because she's in the White House. She's just supposed to be, uh, I guess, the wife.
1: Right. Right. Well, you know, it's it's so frustrating, and I mean, it's this isn't anything new. Um, men have trying have been trying to diminish women's accomplishments for eons. Um, disrespect especially when it comes to black women, but to be honest with you, I think our vice president elect, Kamala Harris has men shook because she is a strong, educated, intelligent woman. And so now to diminish that and try to quench that fire, they're starting to I don't know, hone in on things like Dr. Joe Biden. It's hard. I mean, like you mentioned, you, you don't just go out and finish a 100 word paper, and then you're you're called doctor. And by definition, doctor means teacher. And that's what Dr. Biden is. That's what I am. Women educators are teachers, and we earned, earned every bit of the right to be called doctor because we're teaching, we're putting out, um, you know, education for kids, K through 12, higher education, Um, we're helping in our community and a lot of these women have done this while they're raising kids, they're caretakers, they're working themselves. So you bring a lot to the table. So to try and diminish and, and disrespect that title because you're um, insecure, we're not having it.
0: Boop. Daddy is right there, insecure, (laughs) insecure. And I'm not talking about the show on HBO, but I yeah. love that show as well. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> but, but really, there is, a, you know, within this uh, last administration, and I'm saying last because I'm putting them behind me, um, this, this last administration, there has been an insurgence of insecure individuals who have just... Uh, Come up and just say oh it, it just say you know how they say kids say the darndest things these folks say the damnest things um, yeah. Because uh, Because they either lack something that someone else has or they want to downplay people's accomplishments and that's what this 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 man did um, He came across bitter and spiteful when just plain petty You yeah. know um, in regards to uh you know the incoming uh first you know wife first lady uh and and, and doctor the first doctor <laughs> you know so you know yeah. but it, it it just was but but like you said it's just it's not something that that's new but it shouldn't be happening today you know in 2020 uh going into 2021. We shouldn't have to be having these kind of conversations. We should be talking more about, you know, the, the 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 great things that Dr. Jill Biden will be able to bring to the position that she's going to hold because of her experiences, because of her education. That those are the conversations that we should be having. But instead, you know, we have buffoonery.
1: Exactly. Well, this administration more so than any other in history has really played into the downplaying of education, you know, not um, promoting the education. Look who they have as the education secretary for crying out loud. She, that is, I am looking forward to rebuilding our educational system and having the support that our entire nation deserves. But education itself was one of the things that they were attacking. Why? because when you have uneducated folks, let's just be honest, when you have uneducated folks, it's easier to lead them around and put in the um, thoughts that you want them to think. And when you don't think for yourself or have the ability to think for yourself, well, then you can stay in all kinds of power and cause all kinds of trouble. But this is just another reflection of the bad um, administration that we are putting behind us and starting in January, you know, hope returns for building our education system. Because let's be honest, my big thing is that education is the key to everything. When you have education, you have the ability to choose the life you want for yourself. You have the ability to build what you want to do, to take care of your family. You have the ability to broaden your horizons. You're more inclusive in your thinking. It's really the key to everything. So having, a higher education system, in addition to a nice strong K through 12 education system, you just build a more inclusive, more tolerant society that's engaged and has the ability to engage in things like political um, happenings, other events, because you're not so focused on just trying to to make a life. So with that, I look forward to this administration shepherding in a focus on education again and putting a spotlight on higher education. Um, Specifically, they're talking about bringing free tuition, college tuition to our community colleges, which would be an enormous help for our underserved communities, people of color, especially black women, our Latinx communities. They need that kind of education, that support to help build their futures. It also helps play into building generational wealth because now that you have the ability to work and the ability to create the life that you want, you can also help bring up the uh, next generation who can then get more education and and go on. Um, Let's be clear too. I'm not just talking about four year education, Um, community college, technical institutions, All of those are also critical to our educational system because they allow you to build the skills that you want to want to build. Everybody um, isn't interested in going to a four year university. Um,
0: And I'm so glad you said that. I'm so glad you mentioned that. I mean, you mentioned so much, just, 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 you know, you dropped so much, you know, but I'm glad you brought up the, the, about how individuals not only you know it's not just about four-year education there are there's other types of um routes or pathways that people can can go in to achieve their 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 wishes their dreams their career goals um and it doesn't just have to be a four-year education and what i am seeing is in which has always kind of not did as well as a as a country in in our education system is we have these conversations where it's either this or is that so we're either pushing oh you know finish finish high school go get a job uh and 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 we're against higher education or we're pushing only go get a a a a four-year you know uh degree get your bachelor's degree then go get your master's and, and and possibly your doctorate degree we and we send these mixed messages to um our young folks and then we also leave people out a lot of people get left out of the conversation because we do the either or the or and we don't and we don't embrace the you know, you could do you could do it both, actually. You know, and so what do you see? Because I, I'm seeing a lot of, and I understand why we're having more conversations about uh, less about college and, and and more about you know trade programs or vocational programs, and, and a lot of it has to do with the insurmountable amount of uh, debt that individuals have um that you know that have gotten their education where are you seeing the trend though um in terms of higher education
1: well um this is very good very very good points um well we're moving away from what everybody knows as the traditional student which is the younger 18 to 24 year old who just graduated from college maybe living at home with their parent or have their parents supporting them while they're living at the dorms we're moving away from that i mean since the great recession when all of those jobs were lost most of which were for people who didn't have higher educational skills we're seeing more people going back to school to get um retrained on skills to build um the skills that they have to help them with their career progression so we're seeing more non-traditional and i'm doing the, the air quote thing, the non-traditional student come into the educational system. So that's where we're getting the focus on our community college, our trade schools, places like um, Western Governors University and Capella University online schools. They're coming into play because more people are looking for ways to build certain skills or to get further or to hone in their skills so that they have better choices. So that's a huge trend in higher education right now. We're seeing, um, I'd say since the late 90s, we're seeing um, more schools, almost 50, 55% of schools now support non-traditional forms of education so that they can support the non-traditional students. We're also looking at um, closing the skills gap, which is, critical to helping non-traditional students or adults or adult learners or people who are coming back to school to finish to get their degree, closing the skill gap. So universities are focusing on those kinds of programs so that people can build new skills, um, to train for new technologies that are coming to play. Um, For example, the big talk is on the Green New Deal and how that's going to create, or we're going to lose jobs. Actually, the Green New Deal is going to create millions and millions of jobs. So we have to train our workforce to be prepared to take on those types of jobs. And that's where it's critical that universities start to focus on embracing the non-traditional learners and building those skill sets and closing those skill gaps.
0: Yes, I'm glad you brought up the whole green, uh, and I'm doing some air quotes, Uh, (laughs) and so many industries are, well, so many, uh, you know, business leaders in certain industries I think is is really promoting fear um, and, and, Mm -hmm. and how the advancement of how different things are happening. In our world and and how we have to make these changes if we want to continue to be able to live on a planet and be able to breathe and and drink water and have access to these things, so we have to make these changes. But having these changes doesn't necessarily mean that there is an elimination of, you know, complete elimination of industries. And uh, oftentimes I have conversations with people like, you need to get the skills that you have to have for the future. And that's the only way that we're going to continue to be, and I don't care what industry you're in, if you're not continuing to learn and grow and continue to get more information about what it is that's changing in your field, you will be obsolete. And those are the people who will have the hardest times when we start to move in these different directions and these are directions that that's inevitable and so i know that like with this pandemic so many people had an adversity oh my goodness now i have to learn online you know now i have to you know i spent years you know getting education online because some of the institutions that I went to, they were considered cutting edge years ago and and, and and invested in the online space. And now we have a lot of institutions who now they have no other choice. They didn't have any other choice except for to switch out if they wanted to continue to serve uh, their students. So mm-hmm. do you see, um, And being an administrator in higher ed, are you seeing that there's going to be more of a trend where, one, we have to be more receptive to, like I said, with the Green New Deal and AI and all types of other things to where we have to shift how we've done things before and shift our focus and and, and getting our workforce prepared for the future?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I'm so proud of my city, Long Beach. We have are about to launch a training program to help people train for the logistical jobs that are coming into play because the the workforce is changing so how transportation is happening how things are transported from a port of long beach to the rest of the country lots of logistical pieces and logistical jobs are necessary so the city of long beach is about to launch a training program to help people get those skills they need to uh, you know, to take on those those jobs. So yes, that is a big trend in higher education right now, as well as with our political leaders. They're looking for ways to bring people out of jobs across the country where coal is is going away. Um, how do we retrain them so that they can then take part in some of the wind energy or nuclear energy or um, some of the other cleaner forms of energy that are, that are coming up. All of those types of training programs are now being incorporated into, again, community colleges play a key role in this because they allow people to come in and focus on just those skills or those programs that will help them train for those those jobs. Even um, the Society, what is it? The, the Society of Human Resources has, did a study and they, they have shown that Careers and and uh, organizations are recognizing that their um, workers don't necessarily want to go to get a big degree in theology or theory or whatever, but they want they want to be trained so they can do better at the jobs that they currently have. So they're starting to um, invest in their workers and send them to programs that will help them better themselves in the in the ways that they want to be become better um a lot of there's a there's going to be a lot of division of labor coming up is it which is another um trend i think by i think they're saying by the year 2022 globally there's going to be 133 million new roles that will require new training so starting to ramp you'll see um colleges and universities ramp up to help those who want to get new skills in those areas, in those areas. But the important thing this about this, and you brought it up, you touched on it a little bit, the pandemic has really shown uh, or put a glaring highlight on the inequities that we have in our educational system. How we access education, everybody doesn't have access to education. Everybody doesn't have access to high-speed internet or high-speed internet is inconsistent. You don't have access to the computers or laptops. And even faculty at higher education institutes are trained on how to put together online programs. You can't just throw videos on or talk for hours in front of students. So the pandemic, the if there's a silver lining, and I, and I say that with in a big if, it's shown the, the spaces, the places that we lack, and and how big our inequities are for people of color, Black people, Latinos, um, getting their kids educated because you, they, those areas don't have access to the things that they need to get people educated in the online in the online space.
0: Well, yeah, you're so you're so right. You're so right. You're so right. You're so right. And the access piece. Uh, and you're right. The, the pandemic really shined a light on, and a lot of areas where, you know, as a nation, we needed to work on. And the great thing is, we we picked up the pieces and we we started working on these things instantly, mm-hmm. instead of just saying, "Oh, you know, we've been dealt this bad hand." You know, crying what they say, crying over uh, spilled milk. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and a lot of you know institutions really stepped up, stepped yeah. up to the plate and took uh, leadership and leading in this area of education and making sure that that some of the the pieces were picked up and in some cases, uh, you know maybe not the the most uh, seamless process, but but people were are still able to be educated. And I think that's 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 important to, to note. And, um, you you know, you brought up a great point about how our future and with careers and with education. And so as a as a higher education administrator, where, what part do you see? Do you see more four year universities uh, kind of? Diggling and dabbling in areas where maybe folks start to go to their institution that's not in search of a four-year degree you know i'm seeing more colleges creating alternative types of educational programs more certificate based programs um some of them do that through their extensions or uh or they create a whole just a whole nother you know department or unit uh, are you seeing more of a shift uh, with some of the four-year universities going in that direction?
1: You know, I don't see a shift in in the four-year universities doing it, but what I do see are other elements, like for example, LinkedIn stepping up and creating certificate programs that they can then be offered to employers. So employers are creating their own separate university type um, um, offerings. Uh, Some, because of the way that universities are structured and what they have to, um, the the criteria that they have to meet when they're going for the Department of Education, it's hard for them to create certificate programs. It's just not something that all of them are able to do in, in how they're structured. But private universities are trying to step in and create a space where they work with employers who come to them and say, hey, we need to have a training program on communications, or um, we want to do a program on getting our our, our staff more uh, literate with online learning or how to work with in the online space and social media, communications. So those types of things we're seeing a trend towards companies really stepping in and picking up. The slack and creating certificate programs for their, for their um, employees. One, it's good because it helps them retain employees because once you spend all the time training them on your systems and, and how you like to do things, you don't want to see them leave. So how do you can how do you make them stay and feel appreciated and that they're continuing to learn? And you do that by creating certificate programs. Um, companies are also incorporating artificial intelligence in in some places, which scares people because it can be seen as something uh, artificial or or people's jobs being lost because machines are taking over. But you gotta remember the machines are only as intelligent as the people who program them and operate them. So incorporating more um, artificial intelligence or AI for things like answering questions where before you had somebody on the phone who was there to answer your questions and i know a lot of us are already seeing this when we call into the banks and and or or someplace else and then we get a person on the line saying please tell me what you're what you want to ask and then somebody a machine or a remote thing answers your questions but you also have to have people to program those and to give the information so it's give and take And um, you're seeing businesses start to pick up on that instead of getting rid of their employees, they're bringing in employees and training them on how to make this new online and artificial intelligence work for them.
0: Yeah, and and that's a great point. Um, I not too long ago gave a a talk on AI proofing your job, (laughs) because we're we're getting to that reality. Of uh don't run from it, don't be afraid of it, but embrace it and learn as so much as you can about it because those are the individuals who will continue to have a job at the end of the day or continue to have their career, those who embrace and learn as much as they can about it and learn how to incorporate those things into to into their current careers. Um and so you you're you're so right. You're so right. And especially what you brought up about um the different companies stepping up and creating certificate programs, and not only are these programs great for the individuals that work for these different companies, but they're also great for those who are looking to possibly get their foot in the door to work at yeah. these companies. We're seeing so many of these different academies, and and then they're working with and and affordable, you know, very affordable. Um, some of these companies have partnered with, like you said, LinkedIn, Coursera, edX, you know, some of these different entities and they're offering, you know, some really great certificate programs that can get people foot in the door. And some of these major companies where some individuals have like tried to get in for, <laughs> for, for ages. Yeah. And they been able to, but they, they kind of have a leg up by being able to have access to that. And so it's great that we are moving in that direction where the creativity and uh, the innovation that's, that's out there in education to where we're evolving and especially as a country where we're evolving to where there's so much access to education. And so that's why it always disheartened me when so many people there's access but they don't have access
1: yeah
0: and uh i guess you know it, it just it, it really you know burns me up when um we just have such you know rich resources but not everybody you know is able to to have access to those resources and so and you know you brought up when, when you initially were speaking about you know in terms of the the changing of the guards with the administration and you know the outgoing administration it just really seemed that there was this tug of war when it came to education like everything financial aid like everything was always talked about being cut from special education to um, you know everything that that w- that so many before us fought so hard to put in place was wiped away like within minutes with with this you know a signature and so how do you or if you were in that position what would you suggest would be the steps that we take as a nation to get us back on track with education
1: very very good point um well first of all we have to put an emphasis on education, and and see it as something that's just as critical as breathing, because it really is. Again, I pointed out it's the key to everything. When you have an educated person, you have know, more diversity, you have more think, uh, broad thinking, more inclusivity for everything across the board. You have people who are engaged in society as opposed to, incl- you know, um, cut off from society. So you really have to put the focus back on education and make it so that it's not seen as something that's um, a bad thing because this administration really has um, shown that it's something for the haves and the have have nots have been left out. So we have to make it and uh, put everybody back on equal footing. Um, I remember when my daughter was in high school and they had to take the test to get into SAT. And, and all of this stuff, and you had to do the prep work, you know, remember you remember those days prepping your daughters to get ready to go. Um, and we had to go and find this calculator so that she could you know, take part in the math part of it. Well, I finally found the calculator with like $80 on sale at Walmart. And I'm like, what do kids do who don't have parents, A, who can run around the city and try and find the calculator? And and how are they going to be able to compete to get into these institutions if they don't have the access to just the basic things? So when we're talking about access to education, I wanna be clear that it's not just the um, fundamentals of the computer and internet, but it's also just the access to the basic things like pencils, papers, crayons, having a good um, meal so that you can pay attention. Um, the, all of those need to be brought back into focus. And this administration, the Department of Administration or Education, has cut out so much of the funding that the schools need to help people get that kind of access to education. So that's one. We have to restore those programs that can help just with the basic needs for education and the schools getting to their students what they need to be ready to learn. Um, the next thing is getting your kids ready to learn. And that's what preschool is all about. You learn how to learn and that's a critical component that we have to build back that has been cut out of a lot of our educational programs and systems. And then finally, funding, funding, funding. We really got to address the rising cost of education because that in the end, you can do all of those other things, right? when you have education that's so prohibitively expensive that is where we got to really work on alternative ways of funding Um, in California we have California College promise which has been the um, benchmark or or the the foundation and the model that's been used across the country where if you go through high school and you do all of these things correctly your community college education is paid for, and then you have um, a leg into any other higher education systems that you wanna go to with funding as well as being um, uh, considered for um, admissions. So those types of things, we need to start fostering those and looking for ways to incorporate those kinds of things into all of our educational systems across the country. So those are the things, if. I were education secretary um or we just don't stick that into existence it. Right. We just just we in. uh, yeah we're just gonna I'm put just that on out there, there and have yeah. a saying <laughs> i'm a secretary of education those are the top priorities that i would work on um preschool funding sources and making sure that every pro everybody has those mm-hmm. access to just the basic needs to get education
0: yeah, and you brought up such a great point, you know. Uh, and me and my husband, us being parents, you know, we've had three kids. Uh, two of them have gone on to college, graduated from college. Our last one, she's in college. And, and speaking of that, I'm representing, because we're talking about higher education, I am representing her through Langston University. Go, Langston. Yeah. Uh, so that's why you see me changed up a little bit today, because I wanted to represent. But being, you know, parents of students, is it's 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 very hard. There were many times, especially her senior year, when they started talking about the senior projects and the senior activities and the different things in education, and and. Was looking at the price sheet of a lot of the stuff, and then looking at the cost of even just applying to colleges, oh, and man. I was like, "Oh my goodness!" I was like, "Are we gonna have to mortgage the house, you know, just to get through the senior year, right? <laughs> you know, because it's so expensive." And like yourself, the first thing I thought was, "You know, I am so grateful, and and, and you know that we." Has been in a position financially to be able to provide our daughter with those things that she needed and wanted not just needed but wanted yeah yeah but there are so many families that 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 don't and can't and and education is very expensive and it's it's getting more expensive you know every year. And, you know, just even when I was in college, and that was that was many moons ago, you know, I have enough student loans to be able to buy a small village for an island. <laughs> so I can, I, understand, hear <laughs> so I can understand um, also too, and sometimes the reservation with students, especially some of our younger folks who are just like, that's not in the cards for me. Um, and we were seeing that pre-pandemic. What do you think we're we're going to be seeing? You know, kind of after the dust settles and we kind of move a little bit more. You know, beyond the pandemic, because you know we see on the news every day so many people are unemployed. Uh, you know, people' financial status may not be the same, but they but their children or even they still have a desire to be educated, you know, beyond high school. So where do you see us going, um, in higher education to make sure that, you know, really no one gets left behind because of this pandemic?
1: You know, it's gonna, It's going to be, it's, it's a really sad and tough situation because it was already a struggle for um, people to get into college, as we, as you mentioned, but just, you know, making sure that the, the, the children have the basic education that they need to get out of high school into higher education um, is is a concern because a lot of kids aren't getting the education that they need from the online uh, platforms that they're using because myriad of reasons. Teachers aren't very skilled or or accustomed to teaching in the online environment. The ones that are really creative and um, have adjusted quickly are helping their students, but students are struggling. I mean, with their mental health, with social skills, reading and math is the number one uh, critical thing that students are falling behind in in an online environment. So just trying to get everybody Beyond and ready to go to a higher education um, institution, organization, and then our higher education organizations are struggling financially because enrollments are down. Um, place things that help supply, uh, feed in their their um, financial things like dorms, extracurricular activities, sporting events. Um, food um, services, all of those have been decimated because kids aren't on, on campuses. And when you're online, you don't need dorms. You don't have that. You don't have that source of income. So they can only rely on their t- tuition and enrollment costs, and those don't cover everything. So being able to uh, cut uh, tuition expenses is really going to depend on those universities who can raise money and who have donor a donor base who can help those source of funds. So it's going to be a struggle for quite some time. Higher education is going to take a huge hit because the funding isn't there. And then, you know, states who typically can help um, supplement some of that funding, they're being decimated because of the taxes. So it's going to take, I I would say the next five years before we actually fully recover so that we can see a financial benefit um, to help students beyond scholarships and things like that. Um, it's just gonna, it's gonna be tough. It's gonna take all of us working together to make sure that our students uh, have what they need and um, paying attention. School board meetings are so critical in every city, um, including your college board of trustees. Who are those people who are you, who you're electing to those seats? I know a lot of people think that um, we always say it: politics are local, and when it comes to higher education and education, it's no, it's it's so true. Because who's on your school boards? Who how are who are who are those people who are influencing how your K through twelve education is going? Who are those trustees who are on your college board to help your community colleges um, supplement and help your community? And then look at who your regents are at the state level with your governor, who are those people who you've elected to to speak for you when it comes to your higher education, your education and or your children's education. So um, just looking across from now through the next decade, you really got to pay attention to those things as well as looking for alternative ways to fund education.
0: And I'm so glad you brought that up uh, you know, even the conversation about how we we are seeing the trickle, the trickle down in the education, um, the field of education in terms of, you know, we really don't look at it of all the the different uh, wheels that's turning behind the scenes in terms of keeping these educational institutions afloat. But it's it's really a well-oiled machine um, that that's that has to be well funded in order for these things to continue to happen. And also just not only for us, for our folk, our students to be able to have a place to, to be educated, but even people to have a place to be employed. Uh, we have seen so many of these, there hasn't been a lot of talk about it, but so many educational institutions have been, have had to lay off mass numbers, numbers of, of, of their employees because of they're not getting the parking fees, they're not getting the dorm fees, they're not getting the meal plans, they're not getting all of these different things that they typically receive that really is really the meat of what funds a lot of these these institutions. And um, they're not seeing that. And, and, and as a result, a lot of people who who have you know played roles in making sure that these these uh, these schools are able to maintain and, and people be safe and yeah. and clean and effective and you know uh, have unfortunately had to be let go and and like you said if if you don't have a chancellor or a president or a uh, a, a, a foundation uh, staff that's able to raise money like nobody's business it's going to be very difficult for some of these groups to keep their doors open and even the ones who have been very successful at fundraising there's only there's only so much
1: there's only um, so much
0: that has to be done and um and especially you know i want to touch on a little bit too about uh the historically black colleges yeah because a lot of them uh, just they don't get some of the funding that a lot of the other institutions get to they don't have the large endowments you know Mm -hmm. lately we've been um you know hearing in the news about different uh, businesses and individuals donating large amounts of money to a lot of these institutions um, uh, just like Bezos uh, she just recently you know gave uh, I mean so much money like millions yeah. and millions and millions of dollars to uh, several HBCUs but uh, when people fail to really and then people say oh well that's great then HBCUs got money now and it's like no um, because there's a lot of them who don't make those lists and who don't make the cuts, and like my daughter's school for one, um, mm-hmm. and she's always complaining, Mom. Time and time again, it's the same schools who are always getting the money, and um, those other schools are being left off the table, and that's still happening. And then they, and then on top of that, don't receive the necessary the the necessary state funding that. their their, the other counterparts the other schools are getting and Mm so um so we have to keep that in mind too if we want to continue to see any of our institutions doors remain open you know whether it's online brick and mortar uh funding is needed so it's important that we play our role and we donate um to uh higher education we donate to these different schools uh you know if you're an alum give back to you know to the school where you attended uh if you have children give to the school even though you're paying yeah, <laughs> to yeah, you. But exactly. but it's those dollars that go a long way and when we collectively come and do those things together as a people then we take care uh, we say what we say we take care of our own And so it's important for us to remember that it starts with us. And like I said, uh, politics is local and and the same thing is where you put your money um, in terms of it being local. But um, it has been an absolute pleasure, Dr. Borton. And it's always a pleasure. I always look forward to meeting with you and talking to you because you just are very insightful um and every topic that you talk about and how can the we on the table sister friend family how can they find you how if they want to reach out to you how can how can they find your information
1: well uh you can it's simple i'm on all platforms facebook i'm enette morton on twitter i'm at Enet m instagram Inet morton or Morton 07 and on LinkedIn, I'm Innette
0: Morton, EDD. So there you have it, y'all. She gave all her information. Now don't be DMing me to three o'clock in the morning. About I need Dr. Enet's information. I need Dr. Morton's information, and you do need to pay attention and listen and write it down. Yeah. So say it again for me, Ned. Say it
1: again. Because sometimes Facebook. you don't have to hear it more than once. You're right. Facebook, Innette Morton. LinkedIn, Enette Morton, E-D-D, Twitter, Enette M, at Enette M, and on Instagram, emorton07. And if you need to email me, it's enette11 at gmail.com.
0: All right. You guys have it. There it is. So before we round on out, Enette, is there anything that you're working on in the future? There's something, you know because you're always busy you always got something going on whether it's politics education you know women's empowerment women's leadership every, you you always got something going on so is there anything that you're working on that you want to share with the sister friend community
1: absolutely well i am, as you know i'm very passionate about women's leadership so i am working on a book on the women who are leading the charge for change so I'm looking at the black women who are leading the charge for change. And that book should be coming out shortly. I'm taking a step back from some of the other things that I'm passionate about so that I can finish this because it's just so critical to make sure that our younger generation sees us. They're seen in, in what we're doing and they have role models to look up to. So that's what, that should be coming soon oh that's
0: terrific i am so happy for you that is that is music to my ears <laughs> because it's needed it's needed and i know you're going to do the subject matter justice um and um, because i know that you are a you you walk it like you talk it, as they say i'm not gonna break it down like they, you know because i'm not that young anymore but uh but <laughs> But you, you, you practice what you preach, and you walking like you talking. And so, I'm looking forward to uh, reading the book, promoting the book, selling the book, sling them out my trunk if I have to to make sure it's a bestseller. <laughs> but it's it's something that's that's needed, uh, that's needed out out especially right now, especially yeah. at this, the times that we're going through needed and so I know it's going to be an instant success so again I thank you for being on the show I thank you for sharing your knowledge your information and your wisdom to our fellow sister friends out there and all our sister friends out there thank you for watching the show and you know we own the table airs thursdays at 3 p.m pacific standard time every thursday pacific standard time we're on roku we're on apple tv we're on android tv we're on i mean you name it we're streaming there we're on um fire tv so you can always uh reach we own the table and also we're on social media as we own the table because we own the table we don't have to beg borrow or steal to have a seat at the table because we own it and i also wanted to say we're celebrating today because this is our last episode of the season our first season, successful season of We on the Table, and it was fitting to have Dr. Enette Morton round us out for our last uh, episode of the season. So look forward to more to come next season. And so thank you again, Dr. Enette Morton. And again, another great episode of We on the Table. See you soon.